WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Friday, May 19th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Clouds this morning, some sunshine this afternoon, high 66. And then the weekend, it kind of looks like this. Saturday, a steady rain in the afternoon, high 67. Sunday, sun and clouds, high 77, the better day of the weekend. If you are walking out the door with us right now, 46 and clear in New City up in Rockland County, 44 and clear in Cranberry, New Jersey, and it is 52 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up 6 o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning doing my drive in this morning to the big city. It's all of three miles from my home in Jersey City to our studios here in Midtown. I take this route, basically the same route every day, right down 42nd Street, come through the Lincoln Tunnel, straight shot 42nd Street, make the turn up to our studios, park the car in the garage. I had two incidents this morning where uh, there were squeegee men. Boy, I haven't seen these guys in a while, and I've heard reports about them. But I got to the corner of 42nd and 9th, and I was at a red light there. And a guy walks up to me with a squeegee. No bucket of water, just the squeegee. And, uh, you know, I do, I feel like I'm back in the eighties, right? I put the, uh, windshield wipers on so he won't do it. And he kind of bangs on my window looking for some change. And I wasn't really frightened. I'm behind the locked door. What is this guy going to do? I felt actually a little bad for him. He's standing there homeless on the street, but I couldn't wait for the light to turn green. And it seemed like it was taking forever. It was probably just 60 seconds or so, maybe less than that. And so then I'm like, okay, I'm out of that, right? I'm all over there on the west side. I then get to 42nd and 7th Avenue, and there's another guy there. I mean, what's the chance of that? Same thing, you know, kind of aggressive with the um, with the squeegee, though. He had a bucket of water, but I still wasn't thinking about letting him wash my window. But, boy, uh, I, I know we've sort of gone backwards, but um, the squeegee men... I, I haven't seen those guys in years, right? Giuliani got rid of them back in the 80s. They came back for a little while. But now, two different avenues, I would say pretty aggressive. I should probably call 311, let them know these guys are out on the street. Maybe get them some help and then get us some help from not having to deal with them. All right, let's get into it on this Friday. The top five at five. A sad end to the search for two missing kids in Manhattan. Yes, that was an earthquake you woke up to this morning. More towns make rules to keep the migrants away. Some teens are losing it after a TikTok ban. And are they really going to get rid of chocolate milk? All right, let's get into it. 503, did you feel it last night? A small 2.2 magnitude earthquake rattling the lower Hudson Valley, parts of northeastern New Jersey. This was early this morning. The earthquake hit about a mile south of Hastings on the Hudson. That's in Westchester County. This was about 1.53 a.m. Several taking to uh, social media. That's how we found out about it because I didn't feel where I was. To report that a rumble had woke them up middle of the night. So we get confirmed reports that, yeah, 
There was an earthquake last night. Now, generally, earthquakes below magnitude 3 won't lead to a whole lot of damage, but it can be felt by people. Uh, significant damage is usually like over 5.5. So this one, again, was a 2.2, but getting a lot of reports from people who said, oh, what was that? It's that whole uh, feeling of like, is there like a tractor trailer truck outside my bedroom window? That's what it felt for like some people last night. So again, no word of damage, usually not with a tremor were at 2.2 but yes if you felt it 1:53 a.m. you said wait was that an earthquake yes in fact it was all right 504 uh, this was just sad. We didn't want this ending. We had been telling you all week about these two missing boys, one from the Bronx, one from Harlem, seen together, a 13-year-old, an 11-year-old, walking the streets last Friday. That was the last time anybody had seen them. Well, the body of one of them found in the East River yesterday. The victim's family confirming later in the day that it was the remains that belonged to their loved one, 13-year-old Garrett Warren. Everybody's overwhelmed with grief at this time we know nothing you know it's just a big question mark we don't know we don't know several people spotted the body near the madison avenue bridge where it was recovered brought to shore uh, autopsy expected to be formed later today family and friends as you might guess just in total disbelief when they found out they was in disbelief not her child that was not her child in the water she wanted to see her child she wanted to go view the body she wanted to see because he wasn't supposed to be in that water yeah, NYPD all week had been asking for help finding these boys. The families had been out leafleting with pictures of the two. And so just to sad. And now, of course, the thought is that the 11 year old, uh, Alpha Barry might have gone into the river as well. There had been a report last Friday that two boys had been seen going into the river. The NYPD, FDNY, sending the Marine crew in trying to find if anything was there. They did not. Uh, now the thought is maybe they're waiting for a second body to surface. We want to find our nephew, our son, our brother, and the mom is really devastated. She have not eaten since Friday. Yeah, again, not the ending we wanted so far. Uh, the body of Garrett Warren, the 13-year-old, uh, he was found, this was yesterday, Thursday, East Rivers. His body found floating. Uh, 11-year-old Alpha Barry thought to be with them. 911 had got these calls on Friday that they someone said they had seen two boys struggling in the river. So the thought here is that maybe they drowned. What were they doing in the river? Maybe they were just going for a swim and they could not swim. We don't know that. Uh, last night we saw NYPD choppers over uh, the river. Uh, there were drones over and police officers on shore with those screens watching to see if they could spot anything, a second body, but so far... Uh, they have not. Anyway, sad ending to that story. WABC News Time 509. Let's go out to Queens. We're getting more details about this 14-year-old girl killed in a car crash there on Wednesday night. Let's get the latest now from 77 WABC's Alex Barnard, who joins us live. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Noam. And yes, that's right. This is a pretty tragic story as well. Keisha Francis says her daughter, Fortune Williams, was killed when the car she was in, driven by a 16-year-old boy, rear-ended a UPS truck at North Conduit Avenue and 160th Street. She was visiting the site of the crash to recover Fortune's bracelet, the one item belonging to her daughter that made it out of the accident. Speaking to ABC7, you can hear the pain, both pain and anger in her voice. My life would never be the same. It would never be the same. 
I know that they killed my daughter. They need to put him in prison. His parents need to be accountable for it because no parents are supposed to give them 16-year-old a car to drive. Williams was ejected from the red BMW and died at the scene. What one eyewitness to the accident described was horrific. Half of the car was ripped off. You know, the car was split into the little girl was laying there. The driver, who was driving with just a learner's permit, was speeding and lost control of the vehicle, leading to the crash. Williams and the driver were friends and classmates at Springfield Gardens High School. Classmates speaking to ABC7 expressed their sorrow. It's very, like, depressing inside. A lot of people are upset about it. A lot of people are crying. Meanwhile, neighbors are wondering why a 16-year-old even had access to a car in the first place. Driving by himself, that's dangerous. So. I, I don't know if he got it from his parent or his friend or his a family member, but those people too should be in trouble. And it gets worse. Robert Sinclair, a spokesman for AAA, also spoke to ABC7, re- revealing a chilling statistic. There is something known as the 100 deadliest days, uh, those days between Memorial Day and Labor Day, where we see an increase in the number of teen fatal crashes. A vigil was held at the site of the accident last night. The driver is currently at Cohen Children's Medical Center and is being treated for minor injuries in stable condition. The UPS driver, who was standing outside the parked truck at the time of the accident, fell to the ground at the moment of impact, but is okay. Yeah, I made the mistake of watching. There is a surveillance camera oh. footage of this. I don't know if you've seen it, but it is very intense to watch. Yeah. Now, in New York, this might be a question you don't, you can't answer, but I'll ask it anyway. You, when you get a learner's permit, you can, because in New Jersey, you get a learner's permit, you cannot drive alone. But in New York, when you have a learner's permit, can you drive without an adult in the car? Oh, absolutely not. No, you oh. have to, you have to have someone with a license there who is over the age of 21. Uh, with you in the in the passenger seat right okay so he shouldn't have been alone in the car with his girlfriend at, yeah at the very least no he should have there should have been somebody there who had a had a license and b was over the age of 21 oh, awful story uh, alex barnard thank you very much Five twelve. let's go out to long island a happier story the suffolk county police officer who was shot in the line of duty this month out of the hospital yesterday, Officer Michael Lafucci out of Stony Brook University Hospital after a week, uh, a week after he was shot in the thigh during a arrest in Quorum. The shooting that brought him here is a reminder, of course, to all of us of the dangers that our police officers and our law enforcement officers find themselves in. That's Suffolk County Executive Steve Ballone joining dozens of officers in support outside the hospital. They did him what they call a clap out. It was uh, last Thursday when Lafucci was shot as he tried to make an arrest. The gunman who fired off the shots he's behind bars facing attempted aggravated murder charges. 513, let's go down to Washington, D.C. Several FBI whistleblowers claim the FBI retaliated against them for reporting misconduct inside the agency. At each level of my chain of command, leadership cautioned that despite my exemplary work performance, whistleblowing placed my otherwise bright future with the FBI at risk. In testimony before a House subcommittee, former FBI special agent Steve Friend says the FBI suspended him without pay after he expressed concern about the Bureau's handling of cases related to the January 6th Capitol riots. In addition to an indefinite unpaid suspension, the FBI initiated a campaign of humiliation and intimidation to punish and pressure me to resign. And Friend says those investigations deviated from what were normal standard practices. The FBI skirts the Whistleblower Protection Act 
and exploits the security clearance revocation process to expel employees who make legally protected disclosures. 514, let's go overseas. There's still a war, of course, in Ukraine, Russia's aggression against Ukraine. We don't talk about it a whole lot, but it was an intense day over the last 24, 48 hours. Ukraine's military says it shot down 29 of 30 missiles Russia launched in overnight strikes. NBC's Molly Hunter is in Kiev. Officials calling the aerial assault unprecedented in power and intensity. In Odessa, one civilian was killed. In Kiev, falling debris causing damage. It's all part of an intensified Russian military strategy, the ninth major aerial blitz this month. The commander-in-chief of Ukraine's armed forces says all targets over Kyiv were shot down. The top Democrat in the House slamming Republicans for blocking an effort to expel embattled Congressman George Santos from Congress. They defended George Santos, protected him, shielded George Santos from accountability. They don't even want an up or down vote on expulsion. That's House Democratic leader Hakeem Jeffries. He says the Republican-led House voted to refer a resolution to expel Santos to the Ethics Committee, effectively killing the measure. George Santos lied about his entire life, lied about his jobs, lied about his finances, lied about his charitable work. This all comes about a week after Santos pled not guilty to 13 federal charges, including wire fraud, money laundering, and lying about his personal finances. While we're in D.C., we'll get to this story in a moment. Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene says she's going to file articles of impeachment against President Biden. We'll get into that story in just a moment, but first 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk, where we find Justin Ellick. Good morning, well, Justin. Uh, good morning, Noam Layden. Oh, Oh, here we go. What's this? What's this? Wow, what's this? New music. Meet the Mets. Step right up. Greet the Mets. There we go. Bring your This was us yesterday, no? This was are you, us are you trying to rub in that I was not given tickets to this game? No, it's all right. What are you talking about? It seems about? like you are. No, it's all right. Pete Morgan was actually very apologetic. Pete Morgan took everybody, if you weren't listening yesterday, Pete Morgan offered tickets to everybody on the show except for me to go mm-hmm. see the Mets yesterday. Mm-hmm. So now... I hear you playing that just to just to anger me. You'll and get reimbursed in some I am a in some angry. way way shape or form. Bagels? We'll see about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now to uh, the action of the day here, Noam. It was a Queens uh, clean sweep, I should say, for New York baseball yesterday and last night with both the Mets and the Yankees pulling out big wins. We'll start uh, with the matinee at City Field between the Mets and Tampa Bay Rays that saw the Mets. Come away with a 3-2 victory to seal their first series win in a month. So this contest was tight the whole way through. And to no one's surprise, included a Pete Alonzo dinger, which has been a feature in each game this series. Alonzo drives one deep center field. Forget that. That ball's going to sail out of here. End of a block. Alonzo has struck again. That call courtesy of SNY. And with the series uh, win, the Mets are now just a game under 500 and much more manageable six games back of the first place Braves in the NL East. They'll stick at home for the next three. We're set to welcome in the Cleveland Guardians starting tonight at 7-10. Carlos Carrasco is getting the start going up against Cleveland's Cal Quantrill. Now for the Yankees, who needed uh, to take advantage of the Mets' helping hand in beating the Rays and giving the Bombers an opportunity to chip a little more into their current AL East deficit. They did just that, taking the finale of their Toronto series 4-2 over the Blue Jays to secure a series win and now a six and a half game deficit in the division and much like Alonzo with the Mets, what Yankees win wouldn't be complete these days without a long ball from the captain Aaron Judd. High fly ball, 
Deep center. Marshall back. He's on the track. He's at the wall. See ya. Number 32. A two-run shot. And the Yankees lead 2-0. A little misleading there from uh, Yes Network's Michael K. That is not his 32nd home run on the year. That's just the 32nd career home run he's hit against the Blue Jays, which now is the most all-time from a Yankee. The Yanks will try and keep it up in Cincinnati, where they're set to open up a three-game set with the Reds starting tonight at 6.40 p.m. Clark Schmidt and his big, fat 6-3-0 ERA. He'll try not to ruin everything as he gets set to start against since he's been lively. The Nuggets on the hardwood. They beat the Lakers 108-103 last night to take a 2-0 series lead in the West Final. Tonight, the Heat and Celtics will meet again in Boston for Game 2 of these finals set for 8-30. And finally, on the ice, the Panthers beat the Hurricanes 3-2 in four overtimes. And last night's East Final Game 1. Tonight, the Stars and Golden Knights will meet in Vegas for Game 1 of the West Final set for 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Here was sports and Sid Rosenberg in the background. I'm just now like on 77 WABC. You know, that game ended at 2 this morning. Oh, really? That four overtime yeah, game? Yeah, I mean, my crazy. God. At that point, just let's do a shootout, no? Right. I can't imagine anybody was still I mean, there, I, but I, maybe. Get, I get doing a couple overtimes before you want to get to the shootout, but four overtimes? Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, let's, let's let's go. Let's move it along here. Anyway, Thank, there you go, No. Thank you, Justin. WABC News Time 521. Let's go down to D.C. Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene says she plans to file articles of impeachment against President Biden. I announced my intention to introduce articles of impeachment on the head of this America at last executive branch. The Republican alleges he's violated the president, his oath of office, by not securing the nation's borders, not protecting national security. Allowed approximately 6 million illegals from over 170 countries to invade our country. And she claims that Biden did it on purpose. Biden has blatantly violated his constitutional duty, and he is a direct threat to our national security. 521, let's go out to Montana. Every teenager there is probably freaking out because Montana becoming the first state to ban the social media app TikTok. The Montana Constitution has a very broad protection for individual privacy, and TikTok violates that. I have to be honest, I'd be freaking out a little bit, too. I kind of like TikTok. Uh, Governor Greg Gianforte signing this legislation to ban TikTok from operating in the state. It also prohibits app stores to offer TikTok to Montana users. And you might be asking how they're able to do this. They, you can create and you know, how they do this with gambling sites. Remember uh, before uh, legal gambling, online gambling became legal in New York, it was legal in New Jersey. But the minute you cross the border into New York, you weren't able to do it. They set up these essential fences, if you can think of it that way, online. So you're not able to get to it. That's what they're doing as well in Montana. I would have liked mm-hmm. to have picked up. Oh, other- I should point out that the reason they're doing this, that's probably an important thing. Uh, it's the Chinese who own TikTok and the Montana governor says he wants to protect people in Montana from the Chinese government uh, and the Communist Party. I would have liked Mm -hmm. to have picked up other social media apps owned by foreign adversaries, uh, but this is a good step in the right direction. And uh, he knows he's going to get pushback. Uh, Teenagers can't vote, but there's 20-somethings who love TikTok, too. We've looked at it from all facets, and uh, we believe 
we're going to stand up and protect the people here in Montana. I think that's what Americans want, and we've taken this decisive action to do so. God, I hope they don't take my TikTok away. All right, let's bring it back home. New York, New Jersey launching its official brand for FIFA World Cup in 2026. The World Cup's going to be played here in the U.S. Soccer tournament won't arrive till 2026, but Mayor Adams, Governor Murphy unveiling the 2026 brand. Uh, this was in Times Square yesterday. Billboards illuminated numerous celebrating it all it's not just about the games it's about the legacy it's about the excitement that will build especially among young people not just going into 2026 but from 26 on for decades to come we're expected to get about eight of the soccer games over the six weeks of course we all want the final but they haven't announced yet who's going to get the world cup final that's the most watch event in the world the world cup final and the games, the six to eight games that we're getting, they're all going to be played MetLife Stadium out in East Rutherford. By bringing the World Cup here, the biggest stage on the globe, there's no place like New York, New Jersey. We are going to bring it here. New York, New Jersey, just uh, one of 16 regions across the state picked to host the 2026 FIFA World Cup. 524, let's get into the migrant story. It continues to be a mess here in the city, a mess upstate where they don't want the migrants. We broke the story yesterday uh, with the help of Curtis Lewa that City Hall has been using film scouts to help them find places to place the migrants. And the reason they're able to use these film scouts is they're all essentially unemployed right now because of the Writers Guild strike. All these sets, movie sets, TV sets are sh- shut down. So these film scouts who normally look for places to shoot movies and TV shows are available. So the city says that, yes, they're using them, but they say they're not paying them. That's what they confirmed to us in an email. No pay. But these are the scouts who are the one going all over New York City and all over the state, for that matter, looking for places to put the migrants uh, out in Brooklyn, the parents there claiming victory at PS 188, where they had placed migrants in a standalone gym. Now they've been pushed out uh, and are here in Manhattan. School gymnasium isn't a place to put these people in. The gymnasium was built for the children so they can have an education and they can have their gym. City had eyed 20 standalone gyms. It's not cl- uh, clear they're going to back off this, that the migrants may not end up at some of these standalone gyms that are gyms, you know, in a separate building from the school building, but right next door. We just all met out in front of the school and we just organized and just protested and, and ex- explained and make sure our voices was heard. Yeah, so in those cases, the parents won. They beat back City Hall. Let's go upstate where some of these migrants have gone. Leaders in Sullivan County declaring a state of emergency. This was yesterday, saying the newest group of migrants to come to the Hudson Valley could cripple the economy in their county. Migrants arriving early in the day on Thursday, nights in in Liberty. County leaders say they were given less than 24 hours notice that 80 migrants would be placed in two hotels. That is when most of the money is made in the county, in different stores and different new activities here. And they're looking to put a crimp on that to solve a problem that was very solvable Two years ago. Suffolk County, or rather Sullivan County legislator Robert Doherty saying the Knights Inn is normally, uh, uh they you know, corner off rooms for the homeless. 
Uh, he's concerned they'll be kicked out. But what he's even more concerned is Sullivan County's population swells in the summer from 78,000 to 300,000. And that's because there's available hotel rooms. He said if the city sends too many migrants there, there won't be available hotel rooms. It'll hurt the economy. Out on Long Island, same thing. SUNY Old Westbury, that campus apparently being looked over as a place to put the migrants. Lawmakers there, not happy about that. So now communities like ours here in Nassau County and elsewhere in New York State have to deal with the realities of migrants being shipped into our communities without the resources to deal with them, without knowing who they are. And frankly, potentially putting us all at risk. Yes, a pushback from upstate counties, pushback from Long Island as well. We are just getting started on this Friday morning. So much to get to as we work our way up six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. Apparently they are coming for our chocolate milk. I'll get into that before we get to the six o'clock hour. Uh, new deals and new prices about uh, a new story about the median rent here in Manhattan. Boy, has it skyrocketed since the pandemic end, uh, pandemic ended. A dance teacher, Long Island in hot water, will tell you why. And there's a new wrinkle in that city bike story, the one that went viral. We'll get to that as well. But first, this at 530. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. You talk. We listen. 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. Yeah, that's me. Good morning. It is Friday, May 19th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Clouds this morning. Some sunshine this afternoon. High 66. Saturday, a steady rain in the afternoon. High 67. Sunday will be the better day of the weekend. Sun and clouds. High 77. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 46 clear up in New City and Rockland. County 44 and clear out in Cranberry, New Jersey, and it is 52 and clear here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour with kids who are not going to be happy. The Agricultural Department, uh, the federal one, is thinking about making a move that will ban chocolate milk from school cafeterias. The director of food services at schools across the country, uh, some are in favor of this, others not so much. Frankly, my view, um, I know some views from the dairy councils have been too. If it's at least chocolate milk, it's better than no milk at all. Yeah, the USDA just uh, closed public comment period on changes in long-term school nutrition standards to cut down on things like added sugar and school lunch and breakfast programs, uh, milk. Chocolate milk was like the only thing that made, made me happy in school, but uh, they want to take it away. It's okay to, you know, to take out some of the stuff, you know, but not all of it. I mean, so kids need to have a treat every now and then, even yeah. if it's at lunch. Yeah, just a little chocolate milk. 533, more than now two weeks after his death, Jordan Neely going to be laid to rest this morning. Neely's chokehold death on a New York City subway F train downtown sparked a lot of protests. The services for Neely will take place the Mount Nebo Baptist Church. That's up in Harlem. It'll be about uh, I think at 11 o'clock this morning and at the request of Neely's family, the Reverend Al Sharpton will deliver the eulogy there. 
534, let's go out to Long Island. A 30-year-old Long Island dance teacher arrested on child sex crimes that involved two teenage students at a school. Jordan Viscami is an instructor at the David Sanders Dance Dynamics in Oakdale. Police say he befriended 15- and 16-year-old girls who were taking classes at the school, and they say over a period of three days last month, he allegedly engaged both of them in live video chats and texts were sexual in nature. Here is a Viscami's lawyer who says his client has done no wrong. He willingly turned over all of his electronic devices to the government. He said, here, download them. Take a look. If you think that what happened here happened, here are all my devices. Viscami arrested on Wednesday for allegedly using a child in a sexual performance in those cases. Further investigation led to more charges. The 30-year-old, who's from Center Reach, pleading not guilty to the charges during his arraignment in Central Islip Court. His attorney says he's going to fight the charges. Not only is my client presumed innocent, but he's actually innocent. Everything that I've been told, not just by his parents, is that he's an exceptional young man who has never done anything wrong in his entire life. The owner of the dance studio says the alleged acts did not take place at his studio let's bring it back into the city forget about the cost and inflation try and keeping up with the ever upward cost of renting an apartment here in the city a new report from the miller samuel real estate appraisers and consultant and from douglas element real estate has some pretty depressing news for renters and prospective renters manhattan rent hit another all-time high in april forty two hundred dollars a month on average you remember how much it went down during the pandemic, and now the pendulum has swung back the other way, 4200 uh, We talked and spoke with somebody from Zillow who says, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like these rents will come down anytime soon. We don't expect rents to be coming plummeting back down anytime soon. Um, you know, rents, our national rent index is up about 16% year over year. So one of the reasons for that is so many folks kind of coming back to the city. And you mentioned New York City and Manhattan really stands out in this respect where rents are up over a third in the last year. Yeah, crazy. 4200 that gets you a studio, by the way. Median rent in Manhattan has risen about 8% year over year and new leases year over year dipped nearly 14%. So... Uh, it is on the side of the landlords. If you um, if you're looking for a rent, you're going to be paying a whole lot of money for it. And a new geological study says New York City might be sinking. So you know, as it sinks, maybe you'll get a, maybe you get a better rental deal. The study says the weight of all the skyscrapers is causing portions of the city to sink about one to two millimeters a year in some areas. That may not sound like a lot, but there are growing concerns that the more the city sinks the more vulnerable the area becomes to natural disasters. And as coastal cities grow globally, the combination of construction and sea level rising uh, makes it so maybe we become like a Venice someday where we create these canals and you, you know, get on a boat to go from one part of the city to the other. I mean, probably won't happen in our lifetimes, but maybe in our kids' lifetimes. That's some of the thought in this new study that just came out yesterday. WABC News Time 539. There is a new wrinkle in that story of the city bike. Have you followed the story? 
It was a woman who was leaving work, and she was going to get a city bike from Iraq. This was in Kipps Bay. Uh, she's a nurse at a hospital in the area, and she got into a battle. She was white, and some uh, young black men, I look like maybe in their 20s, they get into a fight over whose bike it is. And the, the video of this fight went viral. Oh, she screams for help, as you can hear. The men had claimed Please that the bike was theirs and they had paid for it. The woman said, no, she had paid for it. And as this video went viral, people were calling her a Karen of sorts because it looked like she was in the wrong. But her lawyer speaking out today, attorney Justin Marino, says the woman seen on camera in Scrub is getting threats after the video surfaced. The clash with the group of young men at the city bike docking station in Kipps Bay last Friday. She's a physician's assistant. She had just wrapped up a shift at Bellevue Hospital and was heading home. And she had actually paid for the bike uh, over these men. They had gone for the same bike, apparently. But uh, he has a receipt, or this woman has a receipt, that shows that the bike was rightfully hers. And when she was holding on to it and refusing to get off it, it was because he says it was hers. Her reactions and her responses, um, you know, they're understandable given, you know, the, the hysteria that was going on um, in her mind. One of those individuals then physically pushed the bike back into the docking station to lock it. And the attorney says uh, he showed a receipt that she had the bike for a minute, uh, pulled it out, and then got into the fight with these men. And the men pushed the bike back into the docking station. So there is a proof that the bike was taken out. The bike put it uh, back in. And uh, he says this woman is getting all these threats and didn't deserve any of it. There is no racial component to it. If this was in, if these individuals had the same skin color. You and I aren't speaking. And now she's on out on leave. I don't know if it's fully in connection with this bike story. Maybe they didn't elaborate. But uh, the one question the asked is, uh, yes, she was fighting over that bike and then the bike was then docked. So then nobody could take it. But the bike, uh, the rack was full of other bikes. And uh, I wondered why, you know, I understood she was fighting for the bike that she had taken it out. But once it was put back into the rack, in that video, I wondered why she just didn't go over to another bike. And here the attorney uh, explains. Yes, in hindsight, would she have preferred to, you know, give up to the, the demand of those individuals and quickly go? Certainly. But while she was there, that was her bike. She had reserved it. And um, she had every right to take it. Yeah, you don't know how you're going to respond in that moment, but a new wrinkle in that story. 542, let's go out to New Jersey. A policy in a New Jersey school district requiring teachers to disclose to parents the gender identity and sexual orientation of their children is being challenged now by the state's attorney general. The Hanover Township Board of Ed uh, implemented this new policy this week, which directs school staff to immediately inform parents on a variety of issues about their children, from anxiety issues and self-harm to sexual orientation and gender identity. The way it works right now, if you've not followed this story, is teachers do not have to tell parents if kids in their class want to be known as a girl instead of a boy or if they tell them their sexual uh, orientation teachers, uh, in fact, are told not to share that information with parents. Here's some parents in the Hanover School District responding to this new ruling. What is really being indoctrinated is the Board of Education with their conservative political views are trying to force that on all the rest of us. I think every parent should be aware of the sexual identity of their child. 
Absolutely. It's so complicated, right? The kids have right. The parents, of course, should have the right to know what their kids are up to. State Attorney General's office filing a civil rights complaint now against the district requesting an emergency court order to stop the Board of Ed from implementing the policy that the states calls discriminatory because it targets, they say, transgender students and kids who identify as LGBTQ+. And it says it exposes them to harm and mental health concerns. But uh, parents in the district not sure if they agree with that. Some of them on the side of the Hanover Township Board of Ed. I think you would, like, not trust your teachers after that one. You should know if your kid's living at home, what's going on? And the Hanover Township Board of Ed says they're not backing off. They say they will uh, vigorously defend what it calls a common sense policy that protects parental rights and ensures the safety of children of the school uh, at the school. All right, coming up on 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk, and here's Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noam. Elaine, it was a clean sweep for New York baseball yesterday and last night with both the Mets and Yankees pulling out big wins. We'll start with the matinee at City Field between the Mets and Tampa Bay Rays, Sydney Lewis, and myself saw the Mets come away. Yeah, okay, today. okay, uh, we get it. Uh, I wasn't there. Right, oh, oh, I wasn't invited. Thanks. Oh, yeah, I didn't tell you. We got name? the message the first time around. And let me tell you, you drank and ate and did all those things. Well, who right? ate all the cookies if it wasn't you? <laughs> they had way too uh, many chocolate else. chips in them. Those cookies had way too many. Lots chocolate. of alcohol too, I assume. Well, uh, let's just say the beer was stocked. <laughs> the uh, fridge was stocked. I should yeah, say I bet with, it was, yeah. with beer. I did see beer. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, the Mets, they come away with a 3-2 victory. I was uh, fixing oh, the fence in my backyard while okay. you were... Uh, yeah, sure you were. You were uh-huh. game, yeah. yeah, you had the game I on... Meant, uh... I meant to ask you about that fence if it's <laughs> yeah. fixed or not. Yeah, it came I'm down. Glad. I yeah, did Friday, fix it. Yeah. You had the fan broadcast. I actually mentioned <laughs> just on the broadcast. Yeah, he did. Well, the, uh, the morning show team from uh, WABC <laughs> is in attendance tonight. <laughs> Except for Noah. I think we cheered to your fence, too. We said, here's the Noah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. They put us on the big screen. They said, welcome, Sid Rosenberg. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It said, hi. No. Yeah. Everybody yeah. except no. Yeah. 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 Very yeah. nice. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome, though. Anyway, three to two, the Mets win. Uh, first series you have to win. know that I was begging that there'd be like a horrible you ever gonna let crash me on the roadway so you so, couldn't get to the game or that so the trains petty. had derailed or something. This is but so much happen. worse than what I did yesterday. This is like, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Just finish the sports. I'll yeah. be quiet. Well, I just started, so it's going to take me a while. Wow. I mean, my God. You want us to die. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, Pete Alonso goes deep, as he did every game this series. And with the series win, the Mets are now just a game under 500 and much more manageable six games back of the first place Braves in the NL East. They'll stick at home for the next three where they are set to welcome in the Cleveland in, uh, Guardians. Man, that was a close one. <laughs> Starting tonight at 7-10, Carlos Carrasco gets a start against Cleveland's Cal Quantrill. Now for the Yankees, who needed to take advantage of the Mets' helping hand in beating the Rays and giving the Bombers an opportunity to chip a little more into their current AL East deficit. They did just that, taking the finale of their Toronto series 4-2 over the Blue Jays to secure a series win, and now a six-and-a-half game deficit in the division. And much like Alonzo with the Mets, the what Yankees win wouldn't be complete these days without a long ball from the captain, Aaron Judge, as he did go deep uh, almost twice yesterday. He hit a double right off the top of the wall as well. The Yanks will try and keep it up in Cincinnati, where they're set to open up a three-game set with the Reds, starting tonight at 640. Clark Schmidt is a big, fat 6.30 ERA. I swear to you, if he goes out there and ruins this momentum, I'm going to freak out. He'll try not to ruin everything as he's set to get to get the start again since he's been lively. The Nuggets, they beat the Lakers on the hardwood 108-103 last night to take a 2 nothing series lead in the West Final. Tonight, the Heat and Celtics will meet again in Boston for Game 2 of the East Final, set for 8.30 p.m. And on the ice, the Panthers beat the Hurricanes 3-2 in four overtimes in last night's 
East Final Game 1. Tonight, the Stars and Golden Knights will meet in Vegas for Game 1 of the West Final, set for 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Here with sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Ellis. I can't wait for the Indiana Jones movie to come out, the new one with uh, Harrison Ford. The same holds true for WABC movie critic Joe Malisi. This episode is more of a PSA rather than the regular review. I'm a huge fan of the Indiana Jones franchise, so my answer will always be yes if someone asks if they should watch it. But what I want to talk about is the massive return the franchise is making this year. While we can all gather to watch Indy one last time on June 30th, some fans are watching Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny early at the Cannes Film Festival. However, Disney Plus just announced that starting May 31st, all four films and the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles will be available for streaming. This opens the door for a completely new generation of indie fans. And if you thought it couldn't get any better, Raiders of the Lost Ark is officially returning to theaters on June 4th and June 7th to celebrate the film's 40th anniversary. If you haven't seen these films, I highly recommend them. They're the perfect mix of action, adventure, and features one of the only characters that can successfully rock a fedora. I'm Joe Malisi with Cinema in 60 Seconds. Head over to WABCRadio.com. You can see all of Joe's movie reviews if you want to pick something to watch this weekend. WABCRadio.com. All right, let's catch you up on some of the big headlines of the morning. Did you feel it this morning? A small 2.2 magnitude earthquake rattling the lower Hudson Valley, parts of northeastern New Jersey early this morning. It hit about a mile south of Hastings on the Hudson. That's in Westchester County. We were getting reports uh, as I woke up this morning. We double-checked, and sure enough, yeah, it was an earthquake, 1.53 a.m. Maybe you thought it was a tractor trailer coming down your suburban street. No, it was an earthquake. Uh, no reports of damage, at least so far. Now, generally, Earthquakes below magnitude three won't lead to a lot of damage, uh, though just be felt by people. You have to usually get above 5.5 or higher to see real damage. So thankfully, probably not the case here. 2.2, it'll be more just sort of like, hey, what was that? And yeah, again, 153 this morning. If you felt the shake, wondered what it was, especially in the Westchester County or northeastern New Jersey area, it was an earthquake, a 2.2 magnitude shaker. Uh, the other one of the other big stories of the morning is the uh, the search for these two missing boys. One of them has been found. They've been missing from Manhattan, one from the Bronx, one from Manhattan since last Friday. They were seen together walking the streets of Harlem. Surveillance camera pictures uh, cameras pick, picked up pictures of the boy. Well, the body of one of those missing boys pulled from the East River yesterday. The victim's family confirming later in the day that the remains belong to their loved one, 13-year-old Garrett Warren. Everybody's overwhelmed with grief at this time. We know nothing. You know, it's just a big question mark. We don't know. Some people, pass, know. Some people passing by uh, saw a body floating near the Madison Avenue Bridge where it was recovered, uh, then brought to shore. An autopsy expected to perform later today. As you might guess, uh, family and friends are just completely distraught. When they found out they was in disbelief, not her child. That was not her child in the water. She wanted to see her child. She wanted to go view the body. She wanted to see because he wasn't supposed to be in that water. Yeah, we had hoped for the best of an outcome of this story. As we had reported to you, the uh, 911 dispatchers had gotten a call last Friday that two boys were seen in the river. 
And uh, it seems that that report was accurate. The NYPD had sent dive teams, uh, helicopters, used sonar, had not found anything. But now they found that first body of the uh, 13-year-old Garrett Warren. Now they're working for uh, looking for 11-year-old Alpha Barry. And they were doing that last night. The thought is he's likely uh, drowned in the river as well. Uh, just a disappointing end to what has been just a horrible seven days for that family. One of the families from the Bronx, the other one from the uh, Har- uh, from the Harlem area. Five fifty four. Some people think uh, Prince Harry, Meghan Markle's high speed, nearly catastrophic getaway, as they called it, from the paparazzi in New York, is possible. It could have been the same thing that happened to his mother. No, it's it's just, they shouldn't do that. It's insane. Not only that, they're doing it in Manhattan. They could run over people, and they need to stop. The paparazzi is a huge problem, and I think they deserve their privacy, quite frankly. So the couple claims photographers spent two hours late Tuesday night driving on sidewalks, running red lights, driving the wrong way just to get close to the couple. Bob Brown spoke to Private Eye Bo Deedle to talk about this chase and whether he believed it was really true. Harry and Megan had just attended an awards show in Midtown riding with their security team in two SUVs when they say paparazzi suddenly appeared and the chase was on. 77 WC contributing guest Bodito. Did this happen? Did this, did this not happen? No. They, I, they, first of all, I checked with my police resources and there was no two-hour chase and all that. And it wasn't even a high-speed chase. Could you imagine a two-hour high-speed chase Around Manhattan. But there was reckless driving, putting the lives of passengers and pedestrians in danger. A lot of track of traffic violations with the security guys blowing lights. You cannot do that. couple tried to shake the car following them by driving near the 19th Precinct on East 67th Street, where they hopped into a cab. Here's the motive. They're looking for England to pay for security for them. So they, they dreamt up this stupid... This whole stupid scenario that is utterly ridiculous. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. No doubt we'll hear more about this story as the day would wear on. Members of Congress introducing this bipartisan legislation that would require all vehicles to become equipped with AM radio. New Jersey Congressman Josh Gottheimer has been leading the charge, at least in Washington, to uh, make sure that uh, the millions of people who listen to AM radio like you do every week uh, will still be able to have an AM radio in their car, especially a new one when they buy one. AM radio listening has increased um, in the last five years, right? So over the last five years, AM radio is actually up. Of course. As uh, auto manufacturers like Tesla remove AM radio from their cars, the bill would ensure every car comes with an AM radio at no additional cost to the person who purchases. Bill sponsors say AM radio, the backbone of America's national public warning system. But more importantly, you know, we're just really entertaining. They cannot tune us out. We need to safeguard this essential tool that for decades has allowed our citizens to stay informed, connected, and safe when it matters most. And, of course, our owner, John Castamatidis, has really led the charge. He went down to Washington and said, hey, is anybody paying attention that they're pulling AM radios out of cars? And, thankfully, some lawmakers paid attention to John, and now they're trying to pass this bill. Auto manufacturers need to realize the importance of AM radio as a critical tool for public safety. It will be there when we need it, as it always has. Yeah, again, more importantly is we're 
were really entertaining. All right. WABC Time Check 557, sponsored by Boulevard Watches. It's also time for traffic, transit, and weather on the sevens. Before we throw it to Joe, by the way, you should sign this petition, wabcradio.com. You'll see it right at the top of the page. It says Save AM Radio. Sign that. The folks in Washington, D.C. will see it. And uh, more importantly, it will save us. So go to wabcradio.com and make sure you sign that petition. All right.